go ahead and turn over your notebooks and uh, let's look at our Wellspring purpose and go over our disciplines. So our purpose in meeting together is to equip, equip and encourage one another as women of Grace Bible Church to shepherd our hearts toward Jesus Christ with the word of God so that we live out gospel transformed lives thus for the purpose of and with the result of strengthening the church in its gospel purpose. Are you remembering that connection between shepherding your heart by living in, by uh, first of all, being in God's word, remembering it throughout your day, and living out gospel transformed lives, and how that affects the church? When we choose other things over shepherding, guarding, watching over our hearts, it doesn't merely affect our own hearts. It affects others as well, as we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So let's stop and evaluate. How are you doing with the disciplines in light of our purpose as you remember your role in strengthening the church? Do you need some encouragement? Do you need some spurring on? Do you need to be reminded once again of what your heart needs most? I know I need that reminder. That's part of the reason why we have the disciplines. So discipline number one, discipline one tells us that we're to shepherd our hearts with the word of God in order to meet with and love and worship and be in awe of and become more faithful to and growing in our trust of the God of the word. That starts, what? By being in the word. Is this starting to become a natural part of your day? Do you wake up in the morning longing to be with your Savior? Do you look forward to that time with him whenever it fits into your day? If not, are you disciplining yourself to get into the word? knowing the treasure that you'll find there. If you have little ones and it's difficult to get a big chunk of time to spend with the Lord, are you looking um, for, for small ways, different times throughout your day, to get in the Word, to steal a couple of minutes here and there whenever you can, because you see your need to draw on God for your strength and your help. Are you remembering that we live in a mixed condition, that we are easily drawn away from our shepherd? And because, in our, heart, because our hearts and minds need to be trained to think rightly, when you are in the word, are you shepherding your heart to him? It's easy to just read and forget to do that, right? Unless we are purposeful to do so. What about the rest of your day? Are you dwelling on, meditating on what you've read? Are you caring for your heart with the treasure you found by being with the Lord? Are you finding that the time spent with him is causing you to better see your sin? And then are you quick to confess and to repent and to remember the sacrifice that Christ paid for that sin? Is it causing you to grow in your appreciation of the grace that he gives? Ladies, if we don't do this, we will not have much to offer other women. How can we strengthen the church if we are not drawing from him? We can't. 
And so we must be in his word, whatever that looks like in your season of life. And we must be purposeful in caring for our hearts with the wonderful truths that we find there. And then discipline number two shows us that the next place that that needs to be most impacted outside of our own hearts with the word of God and with God himself is with those with whom we live. It's important to remember that, that these are the relationships that we are to care for first, that the time spent with the Lord overflows into the way that we live and care for those in our home, that because of our time, with the Lord, our hearts are prepared. Our thinking is in, al- in alignment with God and his word. And Christ is seen in us in such a way that it impacts those in our homes, our husbands, our children, our roommates, our parents, our grandchildren. They ought to gain a sense that your home is a place that is centered on the gospel. Now, we know that doesn't just happen That will only occur if we are thinking on the gospel and when we are purposeful in bringing it into our household relationships. It's a purposeful choice. And from there, discipline number three flows. The woman who shepherds her heart and cares for those in her home will also have a positive impact on those in the church as well as those outside of the church. She will be impactful because she's been feasting on the word. And therefore, she is a woman who knows God because that is her intention, to grow in her knowledge of him. She will be impactful because she brings love and grace and truth to them. It's important to be reminded of these truths and to keep them in view as we look at our lesson this morning. So last week, Anne um, was here, and she helped us to see how we can grow in our understanding and our practice of shepherding our hearts throughout the day. We saw that when we have wrong thinking in regards to our desires, we can easily fall into sinful attitudes and actions, like pride and bitterness and anxiousness. And if we don't fill our minds with God's truth, we can become deceived into believing that we deserve something, which can then lead us down that spiral. Remember that chart that was so effective to making demands even of God. And that's exactly what we're going to see in our lesson this morning. So would you turn to Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verses 38 through 42. We're going to observe two women and uh, learn the importance of shepherding our own hearts and the danger that we face when we neglect to do so. So starting in verse 38, Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his words. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. 
So as we look into the lives of these women and consider Jesus' words to them, we will find that his words have a lot to reveal to us about our own hearts and what it means to be a godly servant and what will distract us from God-honoring service. So I want to begin um, by looking at what this passage is not about, because I think it'll help us clarify Jesus' intent for this passage and not minimize what it has to reveal to us about our own hearts. So this passage is not about differing personalities or gifting. The fact that Mary was sitting at Jesus' feet listening to his words does not mean that she was unwilling or unconcerned about serving. The point of this passage is not to help us learn how to be balanced between Martha-type ministry and Mary-type solitude. And this passage is not that we should be unconcerned with serving. Rather, this in this passage, Jesus focuses on the choices we make. We're going to see that he focuses on the choices we make. So in verse 42, Jesus said that Mary had chosen the good part. And the implication is that Martha had not. So let's look at these women, Mary and Martha. They're two sisters. Martha is the older and Mary the younger. They have a brother, Lazarus, who will soon die and will be raised again um, by Jesus, brought back to life. In fact, um, many commentators believe that Jesus in this interaction here in Luke 10 with these two sisters is actually preparing them for that trial that they will soon face. So they live in Bethany, which is only about two miles from Jerusalem. Now in that culture, that would have been a very easy walking distance. Both Luke and John uh, recorded that Jesus enjoyed hospitality in the home of this family on at least three occasions. And I thought it was interesting, John made it a point to record that Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Now it seems likely that Mary and Martha were two of the many people who heard Jesus' teaching early on in his ministry, that they had extended hospitality to him, and that they built a relationship with him in that way. So it certainly is clear from Luke's description that Jesus had made himself at home in their home. Now, I know for many of us that this is a very familiar narrative. So I don't know about you, but when I um, come to a very familiar passage in Scripture, I need to be really careful that I don't read it with an attitude of, oh, I know this. I mean, do you ever do that? I know I do. But rather, um, we need to remember this morning that this is God's powerful word to us. And therefore, I pray that we would pay really close attention and not allow the familiarity of it to cause us to miss what we need to hear. And so this morning, I pray that we will look carefully at the words that Jesus has to speak to these women, because it is his words that will strengthen us in our service and and will reveal to us the things that will distract us from a service that will bring honor to him. I think this passage also is a great, is so helpful in helping us understand the connection between discipline one and disciplines two and three. Why we must never neglect in bringing our hearts to the word of God and remember his truths to shepherd our heart throughout the day. 
So let's look at verse 38. In this verse, we'll see a heart to serve. That's number one on your outline. It says, now as they were traveling along, he, Jesus, entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. So we certainly get the impression from this entire narrative that Jesus knew this family in Bethany well. It tells us that Jesus met Martha in the village. Most likely it was um, in the marketplace where she was gathering the things that uh, she needed for the day. It wasn't like us. We didn't. We don't go to the grocery store. They didn't go to the grocery store once a week. They went daily into the marketplace to get the things that they needed for just for that day. And so we're introduced to Martha with these words. Martha welcomed him into her home. And the idea is that she immediately welcomed him when she saw him. These words imply a great deal. There is a sense of eagerness in Martha's desire to have Jesus in her home. Do you see Martha's good intentions? She had a good desire. She wanted to serve Jesus by preparing a meal for him and a place for him to stay. The idea of being welcomed means to receive that she received Jesus into her home for the purpose of showing hospitality and kindness to him. The word communicates that she wanted to shower him with kindness as she met his needs. It's evidence that Martha loved Jesus. And yet, there is a great warning here. We can have the best of intentions to serve and to extend kindness to those in in our home and to those that we invite in, but good intentions do not guarantee a good outcome. We must not be deceived into thinking that good intentions are good enough. Because we all have the potential to undo our good intentions if we are not careful to watch over our hearts as we serve others. We must guard against that undoing by choosing the one thing that Jesus said is necessary. So now let's take a look at Mary and learn more about her choice. We see in Mary a heart engaged. That's number two on your outline. Verse 39 says, She, Martha, had a sister called Mary, who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. Did you catch the simplicity of what we're told about Mary? Martha had a sister called Mary. That's all the information that's needed for the setting of this verse. Because all of the weight is on the action that follows who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to his word. This sister sat at the feet of Jesus. Mary desired to be with Jesus. She was taking full advantage of the opportunity that she had to listen to Jesus' words. Now, as a woman, Mary had every cultural reason not to be seated at Jesus' feet, listening to him. She had every reason culturally to be with Martha instead. A woman serving a rabbi in that day was her common role. But here, Martha was assuming and preferring the role of a pupil, a student under a rabbi. That was unusual in that culture. And it helps us to understand her strong desire to be with Jesus. 
Now notice that this action on the part of Mary is the only action that we read about in this passage. And yet it is the main point of the passage. Mary understood the priority and the privilege of being with Jesus. When she saw that Jesus was about to speak, to teach, she turned from everything else to sit and to be absorbed in what he had to say. This was a woman who was shepherding her heart toward Jesus Christ in order to take in his words because they revealed more of him to her. That takes purposeful choice. She chooses to be free from distractions, even the good distractions, in order to choose what is best. Mary understood that nearness to Jesus was her good. She was very intentional in her choice. And we must learn to be intentional in choosing to be near to Jesus as we take in his word and allow it to affect our hearts. This will happen when we, like Mary, understand the treasure that we find in knowing him. Now, let's compare this with Martha. We see in verse 40 a heart distracted. That's number three on the outline. This verse begins with, but Martha. Now, when you see the word but, what do you know is coming? A contrast, right? See, to be, and it is quite the contrast, because to be distracted means to be drawn away from Jesus. It says, but Martha was distracted. Literally, she was drawn away from Jesus. Martha had become over-occupied and so busy with her preparations to serve Jesus that she actually allowed them to draw her away from Jesus. The word distracted here is passive. It's a passive verb, meaning that she didn't fight against it. Martha did not bring herself to sit at the feet of Jesus because she allowed herself to become distracted by, the, by preparations for a meal for him. Instead of keeping the focus that she seemed to have in verse 38 when she welcomed Jesus into her home to show him kindness and to lovingly serve him, she so quickly allowed herself to be pulled away from Jesus. In addition, Jesus described Martha in verse 41 as worried and bothered. To be worried means to be anxious or troubled about something, to be overwrought, on edge, or fretful. And the Greek word for turbazo is the same word from which we get our English word turbulent. Okay, that's a pretty descriptive word, isn't it? That gives us a good picture of what's going on inside of Martha's heart, doesn't it? Martha is troubled and all stirred up, and she is visibly showing agitation. See, worried shows us that there is an inward fretting, while bothered shows us that there is an outward agitation. So it's both. There's inward going on and outward. And what is it? What does a passage tell us that Martha, that had Martha so distracted and worried and bothered? Look again at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted with all her preparations. See, it's so important as we look at this verse that we understand 
that it's not wrong for Martha to serve Jesus. It began out of her love for him. It's not wrong for us to serve those in our household, those in our body, our neighbors. Serving and working hard in service is good. In the early church, women were known for their service. Paul in Romans 16, 1 and 2, commends Phoebe, who was a servant and a helper in the church, and to Paul personally. In Romans 16, 3, Paul refers to Priscilla as a fellow worker in Christ Jesus. Acts 16, 14, and 15 tells us that Lydia opened her home and extended hospitality to Paul and to the church. In Luke 4.39, we find that immediately after Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law, she got up and she waited on them. She served them. These women are not in any way rebuked for their service. So that tells us that our passage is not telling us that we should neglect serving and extending kindness. In fact, look up just a few verses. Look up to verse 33, just before this passage. It's the parable of the Good Samaritan, where Jesus had just taught that we need to love others by our actions, by serving our neighbor. Serving reflects the image of God. We were created to bear that image of Jesus as one who serves. See, hard work wasn't Martha's problem. It's not our problem. That is not what spoils our service. What spoiled Martha's service was a heart that was not anchored and steadied and fixed and riveted on Jesus and his words. Martha neglected to see that Jesus' words would have benefited her serving. Instead, we see in Martha a heart that was distracted and swept away by much preparation. Look again at verse 40. It says, but Martha was distracted by all of her preparations. Literally, she was distracted by much service. Jesus said to her in verse 41, you were worried and bothered about so many things, meaning more than what was necessary. Martha had put an exaggerated value on excessive service, and she was distracted by, by all that she thought needed to be done in order to serve. Now, we all know that we can miss the heart of serving our families by being lazy, but we can also miss the right heart in service by being distracted, by thinking that we need to do too much, by doing things that are unnecessary. When our hearts are swept away by preparations and they are not anchored to Jesus, that's when we lose our focus. And that is exactly what happened to Martha. She was distracted by her excessive service, and in doing so, she totally missed what was necessary. She missed the good part. She missed the opportunity to learn from the one she was trying to serve. And we, like Martha, may very well become distracted and worried and bothered by an inaccurate view of what we think we need to do in serving. 
But that's not all we can get carried away with, right? Let's stop and ask ourselves, what other things can tempt us to sinful distraction and worry? Is it when we're trying to please others rather than please God? I know that certainly is a temptation for me, being concerned about what others think about my service. Proverbs 29, 25 calls that the fear of man. And it tells us that the fear of man brings a snare. It easily ensnares us into the same kind of turmoil that we see in Martha. We can become prone to distraction when we, when we are selfish, when we want things done our way and in our timing. And we want everyone else to be as committed to serving our agenda as we are. We are susceptible to becoming excessively concerned with what others are doing, or maybe even more so what they are not doing, maybe to the point of judging them or being embittered toward them when, uh, when we are not fixing our eyes on our Savior and the privilege of knowing him. We must guard against being more concerned with what we get done than how we get it done. And we must guard against the temptation to use intimidation or manipulation or nagging because getting something done becomes more important to us than being like Christ in that moment. See, this is just one big confession for me, ladies. If we desire to grow in grace, if we desire to grow in holiness of life, we must be on guard so that we are not carried away by things that take our focus off of Jesus. When we don't guard our hearts, but rather we allow them to become distracted and swept away from Jesus, that's when we miss out on what Jesus calls the good part. When we do, rather than displaying our love for Jesus, our service becomes a display of misplaced priorities. It becomes a burden. Working hard is not wrong, Having a heart that is swept away from the one that we are ultimately serving, that is terribly wrong. So let's think, whose choice was this, this distracted and worried and bothered heart? There is no one Martha can blame but herself. By not fighting against it, she chose to be distracted. And ladies, we have that same choice. We must realize that when our hearts hold weakly to Christ, it is because we choose it to be this way. Martha chose to have a distracted and worried and bothered heart, and it didn't stay confined within Martha. Her sinful distraction bore bitter fruit, and if our heart is in the wrong place, it will soon bear bitter fruit as well. Let's look further at verse 40. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him. Now remember what Jesus is doing at this point, right? And Martha came up to him. Now, I'm going to give her a little bit of a benefit of the doubt. We don't know if maybe she tried to get Mary's attention some other way, but failed. 
We don't know. But what we do know is that Martha's busy preparations stopped. And she interrupted Jesus' teaching to plead her case. Martha obviously thought that she had made the right choice. And it seems that Martha assumed that Jesus would have the same evaluation of the situation that she did once she could just point it out to him, right? I wonder if it ever occurred to Martha that she could be the one in the wrong. It really does, right? And so thinking that she was justified, Martha interrupted Jesus' teaching. And what was on Martha's mind? Let's finish reading the verse. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. See, it sounds like Martha is looking for someone to blame. That's the bitter fruit that we see. First, she finds fault with who? First, Jesus. You see where it says that? Listen to her words again. Lord, do you not care? She's accusing Jesus of being insensitive. Now think about that. Do you know where Jesus is headed at this point? He's on his way to Jerusalem. In about four months, he would be hanging on a cross. And Martha, in her self-centeredness, said to him, Lord, don't you care? She blamed him for not caring enough about her to send Mary back to her to help her with her excessive preparation. But rather, he allowed Mary to sit at his feet and to learn from him. Do you see the danger of an unshepherded heart? And Martha didn't stop with blaming Jesus. She also reproached Mary for abandoning her when she said, my sister has left me to do all the serving alone. It's evident by her actions that Martha's heart was not set on being near to Jesus, all because she was distracted by her preparations. She was not in a place where she could even begin to evaluate her own heart. She was completely blind to her sin. All she could see was what she thought was wrong with all of those around her. Is this hitting close to anyone other than me? Do you see what we are all so capable of? Martha's words and her actions show how subtly and sinfully pride can corrupt even the best of our intentions. So I think it would be easy for us to read this and think, I can't believe that Martha's pride would lead her to think so highly of her own agenda. But the truth is, I do this, we do this. Do you see the sin that we so easily fall into, again, when we neglect to shepherd our hearts to Jesus continually? We can easily allow ourselves to become distracted, stirred up in our minds, and carried away in our emotions 
by our ex uh, by our excessive expectations of what we think we need to get done and what we expect others to do to help us get it done and when we do we sin right in the middle of our service it's far too easy to fall into the temptation to look outside of ourselves and to look for excuses and even assume that we know the motives of others and to make accusations against others and even toward God. So we see this same accusation in Mark 4. In uh, verses 35, 35 and 36, it tells us that it was evening and it was getting dark and Jesus had just gotten into the boat with his disciples. Verse 37 says, And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern, I love this, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Hush, be still. And the wind died down and it became perfectly calm. And Jesus said to them, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Well, what was their accusation? Teacher, do you not care? See how quickly we can draw wrong conclusions about God based on our circumstances, can't we? This accusation revealed the disciples' heart, just as it revealed Martha's heart, and often it reveals our hearts. There is a great warning here for us. Our hearts can so easily become so self-centered, so focused on ourselves at the very moment that we need to be focusing on and trusting in Jesus. It shows us how critical it is for us to be soaking in his word so that we don't forget him throughout our day, so that our thoughts and our responses, our hearts will reflect what is true about him. Look again at verse 40. When Martha said, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? It shows us her greatest concern in that moment. She was concerned with one thing. She was concerned about being left alone in her excessive service. From Martha's perspective, Mary had deserted her. And yet, who is Martha's master? I'm, I'm sorry, who, is, who was Mary's master? It wasn't Martha, was it? But you kind of get the idea when you read that maybe for a minute she forgot that. And there's something else that Martha's words reveal. When she said to Jesus, don't you care that my sister has left me? She's indicating that Mary had been serving with her. But Mary, unlike Martha, knew what part of serving was necessary and then was willing to stop in order to be with Jesus. She understood the right priority. She had prepared for what was necessary. And then she left service to listen to Jesus' teaching. But meanwhile, Martha felt entitled to Mary's help. Does that make you think of the chart again that Anne showed us last week? 
Martha couldn't see that Mary had left for a good reason, for the right reason. And we see that in her words to Jesus when she said, then tell her to help me. She told Jesus what to do. At this point, I think Martha had become convinced that Mary should serve her rather than be with Jesus. Her desire became a demand. See the pride in that? Martha thought she knew what was best for everyone. And just like Martha, our sinful pride can make us susceptible to all kinds of judgment and to all kinds of evil. Anger, resentment, jealousy, a critical spirit, and unkindness. See how easy it is for us to get caught up in our own whirlwind of things to do that we forget who we are, his servants. And we can forget how needy we are of him. And when we do, we lose sight that it is his strength and his words which help us to persevere in our service. That he is the one who gives us the wisdom to know what truly is important. See, being with Jesus shapes our heart attitude so that we are willing to acknowledge and to repent of our pride and to put aside the things that are not necessary so that our serving will bring honor to him. Let's look at one last bit of fruit that we see in Martha's sinfully distracted heart. We see it in Jesus' words to her in verse 42. I'm going to begin by reading back up in verse 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary had chosen the good part, which was not taken away from her. From her. See, his words tell us what Mary had chosen had eternal value. But they were also revealing something disturbing that was going on inside of Martha. They reveal Martha's bitterness over Mary's choice. Martha was deceived into thinking that her her distracted service was most important. And she began to despise her sister's wholehearted eagerness to receive instruction from Jesus because it left her alone in her distracted service. And just like Martha, our service can never be pleasing to the Lord when it comes from a heart that is self-centered. See, Jesus knew that Martha's heart was not right There's no doubt that Martha loved Jesus, but she was completely blind to the sin in her own heart at this point. Her misguided idea of what it meant to serve him had to be exposed so that she could repent from it. And Jesus was faithful to do that. Look at what Jesus said to Martha to expose her sinful heart and to expose her mistaken idea of what it meant to serve him. We see in verses 41 and 42, a heart set right. That's number four in your outline. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, 
which shall not be taken away from her. So the searcher of hearts knew Martha's heart. It was obvious by her words and her actions that she is outwardly upset. But Jesus also knew what was going on inside of Martha. And so, like a tender parent, Jesus exposed Martha's sin and gave her the rebuke that she needed. Martha, Martha. The repetition of a name. Um, so here, the repetition of Martha's name by Jesus shows that he loves her. It was intended to bring her back gently. There was a sense of tender affection and grace in Jesus' concern for Martha. She needed to be lovingly and yet firmly rebuked because she had failed to choose what was necessary. Proverbs 27.6 tells us faithful are the wounds of a friend. Jesus' Jesus' words are the balm that Martha needed. She needed to see that her heart was distracted and worried and bothered. She needed to see that she was unwilling to look within her own heart to see her sin. That in only looking outside of herself, she had been making an inaccurate diagnosis of what she had sensed was wrong with those around her. Whenever we criticize others and pity ourselves because we feel burdened by our service, we must stop and take time to examine our own hearts. Perhaps in all of our busyness, we have been ignoring the Lord. Again, Martha's problem was not that she had too much to do. Rather, her problem was that she allowed her work to distract her and to pull her away from Jesus. If serving Christ makes us difficult to live with, then there is something terribly wrong with our service. There's something terribly wrong with our hearts. Jesus knew that Martha needed to understand that her motive in serving was no longer pure. Who had become the focal point of Martha's service? She had, right? Therefore, Jesus was not honored by it, and he had no intention of defending it. Jesus knew what Martha needed. He knew that there was only one thing needed. One thing. It was what Mary had chosen to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him. And we must choose this same thing needed. To feast on his word and not allow our hearts to wander from him. Now, did Mary heed? I'm sorry, did Martha heed this this uh, gentle but loving rebuke that Jesus gave to her? We don't know exactly. But in your homework, you looked up John 12. Um, you might have noticed that in this passage, that now it's just six days before Jesus goes to the cross. We find him again in Bethany. Once again, he's eating supper. And it says, Martha was serving. Did you notice what it doesn't say? There was no rebuke, no account of her interrupting, just serving. And so I think we at least have reason to hope that Martha's heart attitude had changed. And that gives us great hope, doesn't it? It reminds us of the faithfulness of our great shepherd. 
And then we see in verse 42, a heart that feasts. It's number five on your outline. The rest of Jesus' response commends Mary for the choice that she made. When he said, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. She had chosen the one thing that truly mattered. Instead of choosing to become distracted and allowing her heart to become divided, Mary chose the one thing that ended all distraction and division of hearts. She chose the good part. She chose to be near Jesus so that she could take in his words. And we, too, must discipline ourselves to that. It's a choice that we make. Mary was intentional in what she chose. And if we are to choose what Jesus says is the good part, we have to plan for it. It's a commitment of time and effort. If we are to have the one thing that is necessary, then we may have to reevaluate our schedules and our priorities and make whatever changes are necessary so that we have room for this choice. Have you ever noticed that we don't have to plan for our hearts to drift? That just happens if we do nothing. But we do have to plan to spend time with Jesus, to meet with him and his word. We don't have to plan for self-importance that would keep us away from the word, do we? But we do have to plan for Jesus' importance to increase in our lives. See, in the midst of Mary's service, she chose something that led her from her service in order to improve her service. Certainly, her time at Jesus' feet, taking in his word, would have changed how she would have stepped back into her preparations alongside her sister Martha. Her service would have been better. How Martha would have been ministered to by a woman whose heart had been near to Jesus. The whole atmosphere of service had the potential for being infused with the aroma of Christ. Do you get the connection? Do you see the importance in that for us? As his servants, we must be wise in the use of our time in order to get our hearts ready to serve others by taking in his word, by being near to our Savior, so that we can enter back into our service with a heart that is refreshed and prepared to serve, relying on God's grace with a service that is honoring to him. See, what we do with our hearts in the morning or during nap time or whenever you fit that into your day, whatever we do during our time in his word and throughout the day, coming before him with a humble, submissive heart will have more of an impact in our service, in our homes, in our small groups, in our Sunday service, in our school, and our job, than anything else we might do. This is a choice that we need to make continually. 
We all can get distracted by so many things. Excessive service can be a distraction in any area of our lives. Extending care to those in our homes is right, but allowing that care to distract us from spending time with God in his word is not choosing the thing, the one, the thing that Jesus called the very one thing that is necessary. In a sermon that Spurgeon gave on this passage, he said, you are not losing time when you are feeding the soul. You are not losing time when you are feeding the soul. Do you think maybe you've been deceived into thinking that at times? I know I have. Martha became interested in accomplishing, while Mary's focus stayed on a person. She was consumed with Christ, and therefore she chose to feast on his words. Mary saw Jesus for who he was, Therefore, she disciplined herself to be near her portion. Listen to some verses that describe God as our portion. Hear the hope that the psalmist finds in knowing God in this way. Psalm 73, 26 says, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Psalm 142, 5, I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, You are my refuge my portion in the land of the living. Psalm 119.57, The Lord is my portion. I have promised to keep your word. I have sought your favor with all my heart. See, to be close to God and to have him as one's portion is to, is to have a heart that is teachable and eager to learn. This is the single-mindedness that we see in Mary. We sense her wholehearted love for her Savior, that nothing would tear her away from him. Mary chose what would benefit her heart and would ultimately benefit those around her. When we, like Mary, choose this treasure, we will never be disappointed. This is a treasure that will never be taken away from us. And how do we know that? We have the privilege of being able to look back on the cross and all that Jesus accomplished there. And we need to remember that, especially in light of this passage. Listen to all that we have been warned against. We've been warned that good intentions don't guarantee a good outcome. We've seen that we can easily allow our hearts to become distracted and anxious and bothered when we are not attentive to carefully and constantly shepherd our hearts back to Jesus. We saw that we can easily misjudge what is actually necessary in our service and that when we do so, we can quickly allow that to lead us down a path, down that spiral that we looked at last week into sinful distraction so that we miss the very one that we're trying to serve. And we saw that we, can, uh, that we can also allow other things to distract us from a heart fixed on Jesus. The fear of man or selfishness or other misplaced priorities. We were warned that if we find our hearts carried away like Martha's was, that it is because of our own choice to hold weakly to Christ. 
And we also saw that a sinfully distracted heart bears bitter fruit, blaming, self-centeredness, an attitude of entitlement, pride, judgment, and bitterness, and all the while being blind to the very dangerous place to which our hearts have wandered. We can so easily sin against those closest to us, right in the middle of serving them. And so we need to heed these warnings. We need to repent where God exposes sin, and we need to remember in the midst of conviction that we can always find encouragement. There is always hope. See, Jesus knew that we would be women just like Martha, who needed to be forgiven and cleansed and made new in him. And so he died and he rose again for us. And we need to remember that there is no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. We see that in how gently Jesus restored Martha. Jesus told Martha that she was worried and bothered about so many things. And you and I get worried and bothered about many things. And so we can rejoice that Jesus died for our sinfully worried and bothered hearts. And we can remember that if we are in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sinful worry and distraction or to any of its bitter fruit, but that we now have the ability to say no to that sin. Because we are slaves to Christ, we can diligently pursue holiness. And so even when we find that we become distracted, we can flee right back to our master Jesus. And we can cry out and confess our need for him. And he will be faithful to help us to reorder our priorities and our hearts. I want to end with this quote from um, Ryle's commentary on Luke. He wrote, Mary chose what was for the benefit of her soul. She was seeking more grace. She was striving after closer communion with God and his Christ. This was the portion that she preferred to everything else and to which she was willing for a time to postpone all earthly care. Those who seek such a portion will never be disappointed. Their treasure will never be taken from them. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are so thankful for your word. Thank you for the warnings that you give us that will help keep, us heart, our, keep our hearts near to you. Father, we know that we all can become so easily distracted that we can allow our hearts to become anxious, worried, and bothered when we are not attentive to constantly shepherd them back to Jesus. We're so, we are so easily led down that path of sinful distraction as we serve others. And Father, I know that it's easy for us to miss you, the very one that we ultimately are serving. And so, Father, we plead with you to help us as we enter into this really busy season of the year. We ask that you'd help us to remember how much we need you and your wisdom. 
I pray that we would be consistent in our time in your word, seeking you, and that our time with you will impact the way that we serve others so that it is not self-centered, it is not focused on us, but, Father, that it is truly focused on helping others and, most of all, bringing you honor and glory. And, Father, I pray now for our time as we meet in discussion groups. Father, I pray that we would be an encouragement to one another, that we also would be honest with our own struggles so that we can help one another, and that most of all, Father, that we would know how to pray for one another and that we are just grateful, Father, that we can always come to you, always come back to you and ask you for your help and your grace in our time of need. We thank you for that, and we pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen.